0: How you doing, everybody? This is Chris Free and Bennett with the Vancouver Film School. Welcome to the Storyteller Studio podcast. Holy smokes, we have somebody awesome in the studio today. Beverly Hills 90210. I was trying to figure out which way I opened. Do I, do I go right to Beverly Hills? <laughs> do we mention that this is the president of one of the most important and powerful unions in the world, SAG-AFTRA? Mm. Do we talk about the fact that she is a mom. She is a twin. She went to school and did ballet and mime. How do I open the show and try to see if I can get everyone to guess before I finally reveal that ladies and gentlemen we have Miss Gabrielle Carteris in the studio. How are you Gabrielle?
1: I'm very kind. I loved your introduction. Thank you. That was very kind.
0: What a, how, do you, how do you like to be introduced? Like what do you tell people that rarely you meet someone who probably doesn't know who you are or what you do? What's on your business card? What are you?
1: Oh my god. Well, I'll do it in mime so you could hear. No. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what? I am a really fortunate human being who's I've uh had the opportunity to be an actor that's had I think a exciting career and uh, to be able to serve uh, members by being the president of SAG-AFTRA and I thought you're you're, you did a very good job thank you so much for your introduction
0: we're we're really really we're (laughs) honored to have you the work you do you do day in and day out with your team at at Mm. SAG-AFTRA has such a ripple effect across our school and and most certainly with our, our our students in the acting for film and television program but but across all those programs um, and what an important time. Um, there's a whole places I want to start, but I want to jump into a couple of things. I want you to first confirm, I did read that you had studied ballet and mime. Is that true? That is true? It is true.
1: I actually, when I was younger, I danced. I had a, a scholarship at San Francisco Ballet School. at Lou Christensen at the time was the director there who said, how tall is your mother? How tall is your father? I think that was the first sign that maybe I could not be a ballet dancer. But I uh, I did study that. And then I did mime actually through my time in college and when I got out uh I did. That's what I I did. It's a way of doing uh, political uh, stances to take a stand when I didn't have a voice to vote. And then it became just a fun thing to do with friends. And now I've left that behind. But when my kids were little, I would do a little mime for them. So
0: were your mom and dad supportive Mm -hmm. of your early like at some point you declared I'm going to be an artist, a dancer, Mm -hmm. a mime. Is that how it went down? Like when did you how long did you know? Did they know?
1: Well, first of all, my parents, I didn't grow up, they were d- a divorce, right? So with yeah. my mom, she, she look, she encouraged me by allowing me to take the classes and supporting me. But then it came time when I was uh, coming out of school and I was looking to uh, pursue my acting career. I had left mine behind yeah. and I had left my dance behind, but I knew I wanted to be an actor. And at one t- point, my mom said to me, you know, when is it that you, when is long enough? What is it going to look like? You know, how old are you going to be when you're going to say, you know what, enough is enough and you're going to move on to something else? Because there's a fear, you know, being a parent, you want your children to be able to make a living. And I did not start. Sure. Right. When I got out of school, that wasn't what I was doing. First, I was acting and then I was doing any kind of work I could do to help to support myself um, so I could go and pursue my acting. And I wasn't getting you know recognized in the beginning and so for her there was like you know that's okay that you're pursuing this Gabrielle. but how long are you going to do that for
0: were you a creative little kid
1: i guess i was you know what i i love like little yeah pre-teen. when i was little so i love doing theater if i never i not i mean to look back on my life i can't believe that i'm here today but i when i was little we used to do um in our friend's backyard cans we'd put a big uh door on top of it and then we would do on stage and my brother would be al jolson I would be uh, Barbara Streisand, because people said <laughs> And my friend was Liza Minnelli, and we would lip sync, and then we would write, you know. Quite
0: an ensemble. It was
1: very, and it was yeah. very entertaining. We'd invite the neighborhood.
0: That old trio.
1: And then we used to um, write plays, and we would perform for our neighbors. Little did I ever... You know that was just fun play, right? Of course. I didn't think about it, but
0: you enjoyed the performance.
1: I did. I loved. it. And you well, liked
0: the, the the. You liked people being, you know, watching the performance. You liked the audience. No,
1: I actually have. I have incredible stage fright. My stage fright is tremendously. I, I have to say, being in service has actually helped me. So I did all theater. You when know. did you
0: discover that stage fright?
1: I the stage fright for, well, first of all, I've always been very private, so when I danced or when I was doing plays, I never invited people to come see me so ah. i I, th- I am still that way. I'm a little bit shy about yeah. it. I love to do it when I'm in it. It's the preparatory before I go up to do it i in fact i we were talking about this earlier, but you know, I did a TED talk about seven years six years five years five years ago and um i was so nervous before i went on that i literally got on my knees i thought i was going to pass out and it's really a big thing for me but once i come out and then i'm out there telling you would story, never know
0: that i'm going to put a link to it in the podcast if that's okay
1: oh that's,
0: it's sure. a great it's a great talk and i think yep. people would be very surprised by that and we talked earlier this morning at breakfast um even about your your you know jumping up to sag for a minute your your speech last year at the oh, sag awards um with everything going on in those issues and to have to have to be the, the designated voice in that moment in time. Mm-hmm. That's also I mean, if there is an understated actor, I think that's probably you. And that's a rare thing. And, a, and that's a to your credit, because I don't think people realize how much of yourself you have to put into that. And was it hard for you to make that speech? Were you um, emotionally? How are you feeling in that? I'm going to put a link to that, too. It's a lot of people, millions of people have seen this. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. How did you know, that
1: know, I get like three minutes to speak. There's a time frame yeah. because we're televised and we have whatever. And it, during that time was the, you know, this was after the Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And us. Uh, we've had a couple of really intense years. That's my opportunity to really give a message. And it's, uh, you know, it takes a long time to write. A lot in a little bit of time so I I really perseverate over how I'm gonna do it. I have a lot of support around me as I'm trying to get the words that will be exact and then by the time I go out there and I look at the faces where you think I'd be the nervous most nervous I would assume I honest to God I have to say and I don't know what this is because I'm not performing I think that's what it when I'm going out clearly I'm really trying to speak a truth and make sure that people see that I see them and I hope they can hear the words. It's, for me, is a very transformative moment to be able to come out and an honor to be able to really say, we see you and we know what's going on and we have a responsibility together and let us rise together is a really profound moment. So I actually don't feel so nervous. I feel nervous prior because I want to make sure I'm giving the, a really uh, exact message. But other than that, I find it to be uh, really freeing to be able to, I think, say what so many people feel, and to know, I think that I'm saying something. I hope that uh, encourages, you know, and supports.
0: Well, and it's a powerful it's a powerful talk. And again, I'm going to link to it in the podcast. Did you, in high school or at any point in your childhood, there's there's clearly a, a creative artist that's emerging as a mm-hmm. as a young lady. Were you civic minded, poli- an activist minded person? Is it mm-hmm. would it be equally surprising to the activist or the leader? The Mm. political, I hope the word political is, I use that complimentary, Um, (laughs) I promise. Um, Would that, Gabrielle, have been surprised at that moment on on the stage at the SAG Awards last year as president of that group as well?
1: Would my child would self- you, Did you see s-
0: that coming, that you would be no. so engaged with this kind of thing too?
1: Well, I've always been outspoken. So I used to, when I was younger and I did mime, I did actually do it for political awareness for certain laws. I didn't have the voice to vote. I wasn't at the age to vote. So right. I would get team of young people together and actually coach them. So we would put on political uh, commentaries, and we would perform uh, so people would go, and it was a message. So that was, I think that I... Um, Only in retrospect do I realize that I was really that outspoken, but in my life, I never would have imagined that I would have uh, the opportunity to be of service in this way. It's been, and I have to say it's been transformative in my life to be able to do this. But I never, I don't think leadership is something you aspire to. I I don't, I think if somebody is aspiring to leadership, then they maybe aren't the leader to have. I think that to aspire to, uh, for me, to be able to be of true service. And whatever comes from that, that is really the, I, this is just like a- Oh, I
0: love that about you. I love that you. it's about making change and about service because I think now more than ever, without getting it. too political, I think that's exactly the, We need. we need a lot more of that. Mm. I
1: think there's a lot of it out there. I think people are ready. We're hearing it.
0: Yeah, I, I hope people, you're right. I hope you're right. Do you think when you look back at, so you get your first gig, let's call it your paying gig as an actor, uh, somewhere around 1987, and I'm gonna, he knows my life much I'm better gonna, than I I'm do. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to show you this clip here. We're oh no, run, you're not. We're going to run it on the podcast, but I'm going to show it to you on my <laughs> phone, and then we're, you're going to watch Dylan oh, will throw Oh my God! It out. What are you going to show me? Okay, so I, I love this. This is from a very, very famous, long-running soap opera.
1: Oh my God! Um, you do not have that.
0: Uh, oh, I do. Uh, July 20th, 1988. Um, this is Another World. Okay. Oh, my God. And we have the, the one and only Gabrielle. I've never seen it. You come in a little bit later here, and I've watched this it many, the many first times. first
1: time I've ever – that was my first thing. Well, I can't believe that you have this.
0: Oh, I have it. I'll give them all to you. And you're so good at it. Um, and it's – you come in right about – bear with me. Oh my God.
1: There we go. Oh, oh there God. she is.
0: There she is. Here, I'll come to your microphone here so I can get you on audio. (laughs) Have you not seen this? Never. Really? Oh, you're going to love this podcast. You're going to love it. (laughs) What do you like? (laughs) 18? No, I was... Here, move to your mic. I want. To, I'll give it to you so you can see it. I want you to. I want to get your reaction to it. Come on, Tracy. I'm gonna send this oh my
1: God! Kid. I can't. Even, I never. I've never. I never saw it then.
0: <laughs> really? Oh, I have them all. Oh We're gonna God. have a great time today. Oh my but, God. First of all, there's nothing wrong. I mean, for, this is what soap operas were in the 80s. Right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not making fun of you so much as my, my first question is, <laughs> you've got this background, you understand mime. And I think for, for any kind of a, a stage actor that we've, we've interviewed or worked with or someone who understands, you know, theater, mime certainly, there's kind of like the, the boot camp of essential actors' toolkit tool there, mm-hmm. right? And expression and mm-hmm. body and voice, mm-hmm. all those things. Well, not voice for mime. <laughs> but then you get, a, you get a soap opera. And I was really curious... What's it like acting? Do you have to unle- Is is it a type of acting, or is it just the way they shoot it? Like, why does it always feel so separate from the sitcoms and the dramas we watch right. in prime time? Well, why does soap opera acting? What was that like?
1: Well, first of all, soap operas. I mean, that was exciting for me. That was. I was living on my own at that time. I was actually out of college, and um, I could barely pay my rent. So that was tremendous. To That's be a able big to, part. Another World's a big uh, show. Well, to have a job was great. Yeah. To go into a store and say I want to buy that skirt that cost $20, which was, <laughs> I mean, was a lot for me. I had no money, so that was great. But a soap opera, you know, it, I think it was. I mean, you know, it's gone now, the whole genre. There's only, like, one or two shows that are really left. It used to be a whole genre of work out there for actors. Yeah really tremendous it was a great training ground because you were shooting the day that you got your script you would rehearse in the morning you'd shoot and so the discipline of really getting and being in the moment and doing it it's different you have to remember that was really the video right everything else was film and this was like that feeling of that kind of kind of like you're watching it you're not you're not in it is uh it's interesting there's a whole audience of people who are really obsessed yeah yeah
0: and all my viewers on this show know that i'm a diehard general hospital guy
1: oh you i still watch it so laura and oh yeah 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 wow you
0: i still watch it yeah it's just it's out there and it's known and i'm okay with it i made my peace with it but there's a real style of acting did you like a unlike maybe a film or or a tv show do you create a backstory for Tracy or do they give you one or because well, you
1: have to for any I don't care whatever I do whether in every uh I I would think that you if you talk to any actor no matter what the genre is you you still have to do the work right the right the work is the work the work is the backstory the work is the relationships the work yep. is that what I'm saying is not necessarily what this is about and it's you know I might be really saying one thing but there's something else that's going on and that's the work. doesn't matter how you, what you're doing, whether it's stage, whether it's TV, whether it's film, whether it's, you know, video, whether it's, you know, doing a webinar. So right. it's – all of it is – if so, but, so the stylistic aspect, I think that stylistic work happens when you're working – you know, you kind of take on the style of the people you're with, right? If you were yeah. doing a farce, there would be a kind of like heightened, you know, uh, work when you're doing that on stage versus when you're doing comedy on – Uh, three cam versus a single camera there's different ways of approaching it but it's all in essence it's very similar right so it's you take on the tone i think of the director and the actors around you
0: if you had continued and you you do other stuff and we have like from the soap opera side um would you have kept going in the soap opera room if you could have been like a a Susan Lucci today with a long career, would you have been happy just doing that or was there something, did you always see it as I gotta maybe begin here? How did you view that? Another World was a big show. It still I, is. I didn't
1: look like, look, this is what I thought was I was looking to work. So right. I did I did stage and then I was the kind of person, I did commercials. I did, where I went to school with people who said I would never do soap operas. I would never do commercials. I said, I always said, I'll do whatever I can to work. I wanted the opportunity to do it and so I, I didn't, I, I don't think I ever thought of I'm gonna be want to do the Susan Lucci or film or TV. it wasn't like that for me. I just wanted to work nonstop and I wanted I was open to opportunity and to you know trying new things and I so I never thought of it that way and I still don't think of it that way. So it's kind of a I, I, it's yeah, like, I
0: believe that because we're going to get into your, your whole resume, which right. is really eclectic and it's interesting. Eclectic. Um, <laughs> you do another thing that I am fascinated by. I'm gonna, um, I
1: use these things I don't even know about.
0: We're going to talk about after-school specials. Oh, my you, God. You had done in the early part of your career, like right at the very beginning. Right. And these, for, for any of the viewers who are watching this at home who are <laughs> non or who are millennials or, or not, some of you will know it in after-school is, Some of you won't. But this was another really important genre, I guess you would call it, was, it was really in, big. in popular television, and there were two that you did that I, watched, that I I really liked. One of them that's really, really great is called Seasonal Differences. So ABC right. liked you because they put you on another world. Right. And then I think you had done Seasonal Differences first.
1: Okay. And <laughs> Seasonal
0: <laughs> Differences is a really good after-school special. I'm going to show you a clip. But oh what was God. really neat about that, I don't know if you would remember this, a little bit of Canadian trivia. The lead in this particular after-school special was a uh, a woman by the Megan. name of Megan follows. I, follows.
1: I still know Megan.
0: Do you really? Yes. She's iconic in Canada.
1: Yeah, she is. I'll, and I'll tell you this. She's, uh, I actually, so I did seasonal differences with her. Then, what, I thought it was What If I'm Gay, but maybe it was seasonal differences. We're
0: going to get to that one, too. Okay.
1: And then I did that with her in uh, the United States. And then I literally, uh, years and years later, we ended up taking an acting class together. And I've. Or then it turned out our kids had gone to school together. Um, Megan is a really talented actress. I remember when I first met her, and uh, she is she is a, a real gem of Canada. Oh, I, that
0: is so great.
1: Yeah, Really, she's an outstanding, outstanding beautiful woman. Yeah, and,
0: we love her. She is a big deal. I really yeah. hope – maybe you can help me try to get her on our, our oh, podcast at some yeah. point. Yeah, did she's, she do
1: Anne of Green Gables, right? Yeah, I listening? think she's yeah. owned
0: that so, so much. It's kind yeah. of like, can anybody else – uh, you know, after a guy like Leonard Nimoy, be mm-hmm. Spock. I right. don't know. No. Uh, many will try, but she is still our quintessential. She is really,
1: yeah. uh, really gifted. I mean, I hope she's hearing this. She is. For oh, me, we'll send her this clip. This, I want her to know. I, for me, is uh, I've always admired her work and I've admired her as a, a human being too. She's a very, she's really special.
0: That's really cool and interesting. So you do seasonal differences <laughs> and while we're talking, by the way, I will have that playing in the background. Oh There'll be God. a couple clips. But I want to show you that it's great because you're, you're, it's not as big a part. But the one that yeah. I really like you did is What If I'm Gay. Interesting. Let's, let's have you look at here. Here's your one. What If I'm Gay, an ABC after school special. Right. This is 1987. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's also important to note that in terms of, you know, what would you, how would you describe the tone of... LGBTQ type. Oh my god! Um, not like it is today. Uh, awareness, support, all those things. You would agree. None of that was there. Um, so this is a very, this is a very you know, avant-garde kind of right. after-school special. Here's here's a clip here, and we'll we'll, we'll play it while we're That's talking in I a like moment.
1: You guys are killing me.
0: So here's the high school.
1: High school. I always do high school.
0: Yeah. Is that you there? That the yeah, it's seat? me. There she is. Hi. Oh my god. <laughs> Have you ever seen this one? Oh my
1: god. I saw it when it first came out. I can't remember.
0: I'm sending these to your daughters for sure.
1: I can't believe it. I would love these.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure you get them. Oh, my God. And so in in this episode... Um, and I'll show some clips of it here and there if that's all right with you. Um, you know, and I, again, I'm, I'm not teasing you about this, Gabrielle. This is a really important after-school special. These things taught, t- tackled, mm-hmm. I remember them, you know, drug use and um, all sorts of issues that in this case, I think it was really ahead of its time. But man, were you at, at the time, were you aware that this could be a really, uh, as a topic? Again, is this just, I want to take some good work where I can get it? Were you? This is a really different kind of after-school special.
1: You know what? I was... I always was looking to do the work, and I loved. I think it's a really is important topic. It was a great time at that point. It was uh, interesting to be talking about it, and there was a lot of concern around it, even when we were shooting it. You know, it's one thing to talk about a topic, and the other thing to really how you execute it. And this was controversial at the time, but this was the after-school special thing. Was about talking about the real issues going on with young people at the time, right? They needed. Yeah, that's what nine zero two one zero became, yeah. right? Like the Uber after-school special, talking about the real issues uh, confronting young people, and that's what this is. That's you know one hundred
0: percent. I don't think you have nine zero two one zero or these. These 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 iconic TV programs that I think take over Mm -hmm. with the issues by writing them into the narrative a little bit more serially, but this was a really interesting one. Then after-school specials kind of go away, go away, yeah. And I think some of it gets weaved into the the writing of other popular shows and Mm -hmm. films. But it was an interesting time. Um, I wanted to ask you about something. There's a there's an there's an there's an actor right now, Asia Kate Dillon. Mm-hmm. Do you know that name? Mm-hmm. Um, this actor is on a TV program called Billions. I really like Billions. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti's on that. It's a great it's show. Such good actor. Um, they, her pronoun is they. Right. Asia Kate Dillon identifies um, as a, a non-binary. Right. I hope I'm getting that yes. right. I'm still trying to master yes. that. A non-binary actor, and I read this really great uh, interview with her a couple days ago. With they. With they, with they, thank you, thank you. Correct yep. me again if I do that. I mean, that no, no. I literally, it's, it's a,
1: it's a learning curve for us, right? This yeah. wasn't art. When, when we were younger, people were straight or they were gay. Yeah, there wasn't this whole they them. It's a whole. It's a. It's important for us to be able to acknowledge that it's something new for us because we're trying to grasp it in a way that's really inclusive. But it takes time.
0: It's, sure, sure. Uh, you're you're absolutely right. And they in this article talk about if. If they could change anything in terms of how the Academy currently runs its award Mm -hmm. process, the only thing they would change is remove the best actress category. Right. And Asia Kate goes on to say, it's the only category where we differentiate by gender. Right. Um, we don't do that for, you know, best male or female director. We don't mm-hmm. do it for cinematography. We don't do it for uh, editing, sound, right, whatever. Right. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, and same for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. I just was curious for your opinion. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I just wondered what you thought about that. That's kind of a, is that where do you think it's moving? Is there is that her, I know it's where their it's opinion or... A,
1: no, this is something that you know it's coming up in our membership as well. We have the sag awards and uh the idea she he they and it's um I think there is a choice you can make you could decide how you want to identify uh-huh. in terms of a they category um that has not yet come to fruition in the awards and I think that it's you know is is it's so interesting as 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 relevant as we are you know being in the industry, there are things that are still very. Uh, you know we still have to evolve yeah And so i don't i think that there's this the struggle is not knowing how to when people are so used to you know uh the awards being given that way they're not understanding how to go and to break it down you know they're not understanding how to uh to do a they right so do you almost take away then any i guess you'd almost in some ways have to take away the award for a female uh actor and male actor and just make it you know just for the actor itself right i guess you'd have to open it up and i think they're struggling with it it's just a it's a struggle and i don't think that yeah. you know as much as you're trying to figure out oh i forgot to say they yeah. right think yeah. about a country that has not yet embraced this fully at a all. A whole generation
0: right? and culture that's right. ignoring it or.
1: Just doesn't even know about it yet. So it's yeah. it's very, uh, it's complicated. But I think that there is definitely a desire. You're hearing it from, from them. You're hearing it from other people. So there will be a natural uh, change. It will happen.
0: Will it take as long as it did to go from 1987 after-school special, what if I'm gay, mm-hmm. to I feel like I feel like this is as tolerant and understanding as maybe we've ever been? I think my kids are, are in a whole totally other different world place. where they're like, what do you mean, gay? Who, ca- Look like, at who cares? Look, my kids go to
1: school with per- uh, kids who have the same-sex parents. Right, right. Sure, that yeah. was not in any—and I'm a lot older than you. That did not live in my world.
0: No, but when Fox was—when we were living in L.A., um, he had— He had three friends. Mm -hmm. They were all separate. We were the only, uh, I don't want to say nuclear family, we are the only heterosexual married family. They were all divorced, and there were two lesbian uh, parents and Mm -hmm. one gay male parent. And and Fox was kind of like, we're the minority.
1: Right. Well, when you're in a a metropolitan area, you're going to have much more of that. Do you have that fluidity in uh, places outside of major cities? I don't think necessarily as, you know... Right. As much. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, it's (laughs) – how long will it take? I can't tell you that. I think that people focus on certain things at certain times. Um, There is a real desire where, you know, right now in our – in a time politically where it's not necessarily – it's more conservative time in some way. So it might be more difficult to have that. You know, it depends who's in political influence at the time. I think that helps helps to uh, create a language for a society – um, where because it comes from the top down, yeah. but I think that young people, which is the most exciting thing, they are really leading the way in their lives in a way that's really profound. They are making statements, political stance. They are really telling us who they are and what they want to see. They're using their voices in ways that we had not seen. Um, historically, there is real true impact. I think social media has allowed their voices to be heard uh, without being muted as much because they're able to go and they're able to release their voice instead of waiting for people to, uh, you know, bring focus to it. All mm-hmm. of that could actually help things move much more quickly.
0: Well said. I hope you're right. I, I, I feel like that's where it's going, and I feel like it needed whatever, whatever the struggle behind them has been. It had, it had to have the weight of that, I think, because mm-hmm. now I think those words are really true. Mm-hmm. Um, jump back to you get a phone call from your agent, this uh, guy Aaron Spelling, he's got this show. Uh,
1: Oh, my, right.
0: uh, And uh, they want you to come audition for this Beverly Hills 90210 show. What was, uh, I've read it and people could see. In your words, I want to know, what did you really think when, about this audition? What was that first introduction to this show like for you?
1: Well, first of all, I was living in New York. I came to stay with a friend to audition for pilot season in L.A. At that time, I was auditioning for a lot of things in Los Angeles, just hoping anything would stick. There was, you know, Beverly Hills 90210. I also auditioned for uh, a play down in Orange County, I had another TV show that was being shot in New York, and another play in New York. So I had... Actually, at that time, I was just auditioning for a lot of things, and I was very nervous when I went in because I said I get nervous. Yeah. Um, and I had uh, I liked the casting director a lot, and I said, "Will you help me?" You know, because I needed somebody to read with. She was really good. I was living with girls who so that we would just read back and forth with each other. I was very lucky. You know, I went in for my audition, and I think that what happened was there were thousands of people. For my character, they didn't know uh, what they were going to do. Was she going to be Jewish? Was she going to be a person of color? They wanted to have somebody who was not just—it had to be a bit of a statement. I had also auditioned for the role of uh, Brenda. Right. And so I was auditioning for both roles, and I um, went and met the casting person. Uh, I first did the head casting person, and then the person who cast for Aaron Spelling— And he was late in the audition coming in, and he was irritated. And um, I did my audition. I didn't feel like he was necessarily paying attention. And as I was leaving, I said, I hope you have a better day. And I think that he was so surprised. I really do. I felt like that was the moment. there was cut to the
0: core of him in that moment. Something.
1: I, honest to God, because I saw his head come up, and it was like, whatever. Then I was brought back, and... um, and then I was brought in to see Aaron Spelling and his whole team. I was so nervous. I'll I was bet. nervous, 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 nervous. Um, again, audition for both. And then when I was called to network, um, I was so nervous that I had brought my manager and I was doing push-ups on the floor before I go. When I get nervous, that's how, <laughs> really? what I do. I do jumping jacks
0: or What was worse, what the, 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 the audition or meeting Aaron Spelling?
1: I think everything was just overwhelming. But the audition was – to meet Aaron Spelling was – I couldn't speak. And then when I went to do network, having all the – the room was just packed with executives and Aaron Spelling sitting there. And I came in and I changed for the role of Brenda and Andre. I had two different outfits to do my uh, final callback. And uh, it was – It was, you know, it was amazing that I was very lucky at that moment in my life. You know, I I always say uh, opportunity and um, uh, luck, you know, the idea of luck and being prepared. is Something that, uh, you know, that's really what luck is. Were you
0: invested in it? Are you the one of those actors who were you all in? Can you if you had not gotten the part, how would you have taken it? Like oh, what kind my of God,
1: a... that's you, that happens all the time, right? Right. So I think that, yeah, I went full out. I couldn't believe I got that far. Yeah. I came in for Brenda because I'm a twin in real life, and she was a twin. I showed the picture of my brother. How funny is that? We're twins. Right, right, right. Did that whole thing. Um, yeah, but I, I would have, if I didn't get it, I I never would have known. I would have gone to the next thing because that's just what our, the nature of our is. It's the careers. nature of the
0: craft. Right. And, I mean. You have to let it go. It's, you can't hold on to it. I was, I was asking this morning at breakfast if it when does it hit you in the trajectory and the timeline of Beverly Hills 90210 this is more than a this is more than a show this is more mm-hmm. than a job this is a character and a cast uh a brand if you want to call that there's something about this show that has now elevated it to global mm-hmm. i mean you're almost up there with star trek <laughs> you're almost up there <laughs> with you know uh, uh, mash you're up there with big big iconic shows in the you know LA law um, when did you realize this is really getting big?
1: You know, when you said it to me today, that... <laughs> right, that? <laughs> no. It's, I do have moments. I don't think that for any of us we realize in the moment. It's like things would happen. It would happen when we realized we couldn't go outside anymore uh, without security because we were being... Shopping malls. You, I, yeah. I've seen
0: clips of you being mobbed. Yeah,
1: mobbed. It was... Uh, it was a really interesting time. It was hard. We were working full time. We didn't understand what was taking place. The transformation that took place on a show that when I first saw it, I thought, oh my God, I have to get a job because it's never going to go anywhere. Um, I, I thought the the pilot was terrible. And I was just like, this is just not going to happen. Going from that to uh, not being able to go out in public, it was, it was just surreal. It was surreal. It's surreal to talk about it now. And it's uh, and it was exciting. And it was I'll bet. it was what a uh, dream
0: come true for an actor to be a part of that. Right.
1: Oh, my God. It was really to tell the story as actually is more exciting than living in it. Really? to Because when you're in it, it's too hard to be in it to, and to recognize it. But later, like when people say things to me or I remember a moment and they say it to my kids or my husband. And that's when I go, wow, that is Wow, that's just wild! Can, and it's almost like I'm still digesting it um, and still expressing that awe when I tell the stories because it's just—it's when you're in it, you're just—it's like life, you know. You're in your life. You don't—you can't see outside of that. It's when people are relaying to you a moment, like somebody stopped me the other day and said, "Oh, I can't tell you how much it meant to."
0: What's that like?
1: Oh, I—I'm so moved by that. I mean that's just phenomenal, right? That's just like a thank you and what an incredible honor. And, um, and then I, that's when I see it. Or when I, I read about things or people share their stories and then I, I go, oh, I, I didn't realize. I, I honest to God feel like I'm in rediscovery and shooting it this last time, doing the reboot. Yeah. For me was the most, and it's gonna sound, the most, oh, I wanna say spiritual, full circle, wonderful experience of my life like it didn't matter what would happen afterwards in the moment of coming together with these people who are a part of my family who I haven't seen some of them like some of them I see pretty regularly and others like Brian I hadn't seen since we finished the show and then i seeing him as a man and to have real
0: conversations. A married man with a family. All of them and kids. have families. Yeah, yeah. You have to you... remember
1: I'm older than everybody, right? right? right. So yeah. I was I say, I always say it was uncomfortable for me when I had my first baby. I was ten years older than everybody. I was lactating on <laughs> sex <laughs> when they are like, you know wearing their bikinis, I mean I really Andrea have to think about, Zuckerman was right, lactating, lactating on set so at the peach pit but it's uh, it was a really different time, and i was I was grappling with being a young mom sure. and still playing a teenager, and they were like you know sex symbols, and I wanted to be able to make a statement. I mean, it was just a very and I, I read time. you lied
0: about your age. I did. and I and Zaring did too, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Right. so did Luke. Uh, I think. Yes, yeah, he he was older. May may he rest in peace. Yes, thank you. Um, what a, that was a maybe a gutsy thing to do, but it was kind of like, how did you, were you nervous? That That's become part of the mythology of it now, and mm-hmm. I think everyone's like, oh, wow, it all worked out. It's great. But did it that, hard. did you have to carry that? You certainly pulled it off. Nobody would have thought it.
1: You know, like, first of all, I can't believe, you know, like when my girls say, God, Mom, I look so young, you know, because they yeah, look yeah, young, yeah. right? And I say, just love it, babe, because you can make money off that. But, yeah. Um, no, when I actually when I I was living in uh, New York when I got the job I was I had gone to L.A. to audition and when I got the job and I had to sign the contracts I called a lawyer, and I said, "Look, I, you know, they think I'm 18. I want to say, you know, I'm 21, so I can sign these contracts, but I'm 29. Is that going to be a problem?" They said, "As long as it's over 21, it doesn't matter because they shouldn't have to do your age." Right. So I did that, and it was uh, I was always petrified. So when People magazine did come out with my age, I. I wept, I cried. I said please don't show my age. If you do this, it was a I don't know if you saw that story. It was Yeah, a- oh
0: yeah, yeah. I re- I remember it, but more being like as a fan, I just remember thinking Oh, like, well, I don't know she, yeah. if she, she doesn't look like that. well I was sure I they
1: were gonna fire me it was a really for I me that was scary it was uh, I called people met what happened was they'd come to set to interview somebody else and asked or quote for me and then they asked my age and I said "Well, I don't play age I play character yeah and a couple of days later the uh, reporter said I just want you to know we have somebody who works in the DMV because IMDB didn't exist then that's right so that's why I'm such a proponent of taking ages off IMDB yeah but um. They said, we're going to, you know, print your age. And I said, please don't. If you do, it'll ruin my career. They will fire me from the show. Um, I had my uh, publicist calling, my agents, everybody calling. They said, no, nope, we're, we're going to write it anyway. And um, the show had just started to take off
0: at the time. Ugh, and so the f- I, I'm nervous for you. Yeah, I feel like it that was, must have I been... can't
1: even tell you. I was like ill. But then because the show had taken off, one of the producers said, you're lucky we didn't know your age when we hired you. But now the show is doing well, so we're not going to worry about it. But I think it shaded them. This is my honest truth. I think it always shaded the writing a little bit for them, knowing that I was older. But I think that— They
0: did—yeah, you know, in hindsight, you could see some of the storytelling narrative, how you were always a little—you carried yourself with a bit more— maturity you know even the way they wrote andrea with the the school paper and even your choice like as you all go from high school and you have you make questionable uh right choices in your relationships you and brandon were are always one of the greatest misses Uh, but the like jesse even was way over here compared to like some of the floozies and and goofballs i was getting
1: pregnant Right. So this Because right. you took
0: like a, two years off or a year off?
1: No, I actually did in the show. I went and had I called Aaron Spelling and asked if I could have lunch with him. Yeah. And I said to Aaron, um, you know, I, I wanted to come to you, Charlie, my husband, and I would like to start a family. And he was like, oh, my God, I thought you were going to tell me you're pregnant. And I said, no. And he said, I can't believe that you're asking. And I said, well, I, you know, I want to stay true to the show, but I, I want to get pregnant and I don't want you to hide my pregnancy. I want I want to be able to be pregnant because I want my daughter to know I'm proud to carry her, and so or my child at that time. So um, he said, okay, and we got a lot of slack. People from around the country, how dare you? You know, Andre is supposed to be the smart one. Uh, New York Times did a whole article on it. I wrote back saying, you know, smart people make mistakes in life, and it is a mistake to go and make people look like they're perfect. That's not reality. That's not who we are. Aaron stood by me. He allowed me to be pregnant on the show but it was even though you saw the storyline go they didn't know how to deal with it because you know though it was a very progressive show yep there were things about it that were not progressive i'm jewish yeah. in real life um my character was jewish yep i had my jewish star on we did a whole thing about the holocaust i remember but i was asked to remove my jewish star they said middle america does not want to see a Jewish star. And I said, that's so funny because everybody's wearing crosses and there's not a problem with that. And they said, you need to remove your Jewish star. And I said, well, then you need to make sure everybody removes their religious symbols. I will not do that unless everybody does. Good for you. Um, But that was, so the show I see seeds
0: of a future SAG president emerging and stuff like
1: that. Well, and I had a a boyfriend who was uh, African American on the show, but I wasn't allowed to touch him. So... It was like, I, don't put your hand there. Middle America doesn't want to see it. So they would—they flirted with the issues at hand, but they could not really execute the issues that, that were taking so place. It's so
0: interesting. And I remember the season finale of the first season. You have Dylan and Brenda. Uh, they sleep together. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah. This was like, I remember we had to talk about it in my grade 7 or 8 class. Isn't that amazing? This was like, oh my, my parents were like, hey, you know by the way right. let's not be so ca- like cuz we're really casual about it right. and and it was i i feel as i recall they wrote it like um she was happy and everything went fine and there were no consequences uh-huh. and it was kind of like is this the the beginning of okay, sex isn't something you have to be afraid of. Right. That's uh, and interesting. It, it was a mega big deal. Yeah. So that's interesting to know that they had not always been so progressive. They
1: were not. They didn't start. Some of the things that you'll see, the repeating of storylines later after, I left after five years and I was just a guest after that because I went off to do my own show. But you'll see that uh, there were repeats of the s- things that happened with me, except they were allowed to go farther because that was a period of time that had passed. And so socially it was becoming more... Uh, acceptable or um, recognized that we coming into Beverly Hill BH 90210 this time around and my character coming out uh, exploring her sexuality not sure if I'm straight or not that yeah that's based on a, a story from a friend of mine who for 30 years was married and came to terms with I you know my kids are older now and I'm not sure this is where I want to be I think this is an honest conversation and questioning women have yeah at a certain time and um that to be in this day and age, I was able to tell that story. They would never allow that story no. you know, 30 years ago. I
0: thought it was really, I was, when the new, when bh oh the, the reboots are big right now. Mm-hmm. They're talking about Friends is possibly coming yeah. back. We've seen uh, Will and Grace. We're seeing all sorts of programs. Right. You guys were are, are, are an iconic ensemble, a cast. They bring together first episode, mega ratings. The mm-hmm. fan base is still there. Critics don't get it. They don't like it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched all of them. The fans, we really loved it. You know what it remind, reminded me of? Um, I thought what you guys were doing, I thought it was really clever and intelligent. I, it felt like curb your enthusiasm, mm, where it, that, right? it was the only way to get Seinfeld back right. was or that the feeling of that and, and a Larry David outside yourself mm-hmm. kind of a perspective. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really, I think it was more clever than the critics gave it credit mm-hmm. for. How, What's that like to have that mega success and then they don't love it as much? How do you feel about that? The fans love it.
1: You know, it didn't matter. You didn't care. I mean, I looked at, I think, because the fans did love it, but I'll tell you that I loved it. Yeah. I, I I cannot begin to say what that experience was for me. And it was to be back with everybody, to be, like I said, they were all parents now. Yeah. To be able to... Uh, family has a lot of different elements and levels to it. We came all full circle with each other. It was, uh, we were divided throughout the time of 90210 when we were younger. Everything was uh, you know, they separated us all the time. When we came together this time, we said it's all for one and one for all. And we had conversations beforehand and we talked about the way they isolated us and that we weren't gonna have that happen again and that we were gonna be favored nations. We shared across the board that we were gonna talk to each other in ways we never had. It was liberating for me. That's awesome. It was amazing. And it's, that part, actually, what I was able to do in this show was due to my leadership in sag After I believe that working with the members and talking to them about fighting for their rights, that we deserve that, was has been a tremendous gift to me, that um, there are things that I let happen before, it was all my thing, right, it was okay, but things that I let pass, they, is, I've been empowered, I think, to see what it is to say to people, we have to have a voice together, oh, I understand you g- Look,
0: you, you give me goosebumps, really, I'm not it's making true. that up. It changed my uh, life. When you say that, uh, you're one of those people who we, you just feel like, oh, God, I'm so glad there's leaders out there that mean that. Right. And that matters to you, and you can feel that. I hope you'll, you'll keep fighting for it because I think when we saw you guys do the show— and there's this really great commercial. I don't know if it aired in the U.S., but it's all you guys kind of going together for a table read, and you've got this iconic Lenny Kravitz song, mm-hmm. It Ain't Over Till It's Over. Mm-hmm. And every super fan was like, oh, yes, they're all coming back. And it's like, we want it so bad. It was great. I thought the ads they did were awesome. <laughs> they were amazing. They were
1: so good. I yeah. was like, I like that. I want to see that. I love I good keep
0: commercials, and yeah. this was by far, I think, one of the best ones I've seen all year for, for the show. Yep, they did great. Um. I want to. There's a bunch of things I want to cover. God, I could talk 902 and O with you forever. I did want to mention to you um, that I, I you do a bunch of really great things in and around, and then after that. And so mm-hmm. for 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 decades, you are a really successful working actor, mm-hmm. and you embody that in, in small parts and major parts. You're on shows like Jag. Mm-hmm. You're on shows like NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. You did my favorite one. You did was Nip Tuck. Oh my God, that was, so that was so the fun. The Kurt Dempsey episode it was episode. Four or five oh my in the God. first season. That was crazy. I, I'm gonna. Just, I am going to will not put a clip to it because I'll spoil it. But if you go back into the Gabrielle Carteras archives, watch as you can download it on iTunes, and you play what the the plot twist in and about this. Oh, my God. When I You're auditioned amazing. For that,
1: when I auditioned for that, I actually went in and I started laughing. And they said, what's up? So I said, this is the funniest role I've ever – and it's really dark, right? It is so dark. But it was so funny to me. And I think that's what got me the role because I could see that this is hilarious. I can't believe it's, you guys have this happening. It's company.
0: unbelievable. And it I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it does this roundabout where you go from a woman wanting your, your, a nose job mm-hmm. on you know, Nip Tuck, of course, to this whole other – wait, right. what? Right. It was It was. Great. It was Oh, you were so great. You were you were just a different character. And there's a bunch I really love, but I want to talk about um, I want to talk about Ken Howard for a moment. Mm. In, in 2012, he he dies. The president of SAG. No, he
1: doesn't die in 2012. Sorry, uh, no, we merged the union. You merged
0: two- the union in 2012. Right. He he dies. Uh, 2016. S- 16. Forgive me. And that day, talk about that day because you become acting president shortly mm. after um would that i mean your your life and your career takes a very big change in in major yeah Yeah. what was that day like and uh i hope you don't mind me asking about that
1: you know this is what i'll say overall what i've really recognized if there's anything i could leave people with and i will say this forever i believe we must live in the world of yes and lean into our lives and i think that uh i loved ken ken and i actually i knew ken from when i was younger Yeah, you were very close i was uh Well, I knew him years before at Williamstown. I was an apprentice and he was doing, I think, Cyrano de Bergerac at the time. Um, Or I forget what show he was doing there. And then um, I met him again during the time with a group of people who wanted to be a part of merging our unions. And um, we were a part of a, a political party in the union called Unite for Strength. And I got to know Ken and he it was in my house that when we would meet talking about wanting to merge the unions, he decided to run as president. Yeah. And, then, um, and then later when we did merge the unions, uh, and that had taken six attempts, this was our attempt. We did it differently than the prior times. I think it was a thoughtful way that we did it.
0: In the build-up to 2012. Right. Right.
1: Um, and so uh, in 2012, we merged the unions and I became uh, his executive vice president. And yeah. Uh, Ken and I worked together. What and, a guy to learn from. Oh, and you know, he I believe that leadership comes to people in the time when it's most needed and he was the perfect leader for our union at that time. He
0: and he really he he, you know, he really cared about you and the things oh. I read, I think I think I, I never knew Ken, of course, but I feel like he would be very proud of what you're doing now. I
1: um so I'm very close to his wife. I I He was a great leader. He was uh he was a man who loved what he did. He really loved, he loved actors. He loved, he discovered his voice in a way that he never would have in his, you know, in his leadership. Leadership is a very interesting thing. It is. It's, and in
0: this union, it's very In yeah. 1933, the Screen okay, Actors yeah. Guild is born. And I'm just going to, there's a lot of leaders in the build, but I'm going to mention a couple. You've got James Cagney, mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> right. Ed Asner, Charlton Heston, mm-hmm. Gabrielle Carteris. <laughs> now, it doesn't jump to you because then it's it, not till 1977 we get Kathleen Nolan. Right. Then we get Patty Duke. Right,
1: who played my mother.
0: Then we get Melissa Gilbert. Right. And then finally, Gabrielle Carteris is there. Is it a surprise to you that there are not more uh, women presidents, and how do you view the history of your predecessors? Do you care to even think about it? There's an amazing legacy, and right. yet there's a, a, an obvious imbalance.
1: So I never thought of, it. you know, it, we come from a different time, right? So right now in our union, we have uh, the three top officers are women. How great is that? Yeah. That is rare amongst unions uh, around the world to see that kind of leadership. So I think it speaks to our membership. Yeah. And it speaks to uh, how fabulous women can be. Hell yeah. But... um yeah, I think, you know, look at what you're seeing historically is, I mean, to even the fact that we had women presidents. We've never had a woman president yet in our in the United States. So, I mean, you know, we're definitely progressive, progressive. Yeah. right? Yeah, And um, I, I think that, you know, look, Times, we're much more open as an industry. You know, we are, we're eclectic, aren't we? We're all, we do represent the wide swath of humanity. And so um, I think that, you know, artists tend to be less uh, tend to be more open and, you know, inclusive historically, right? I yeah. mean, it's not everybody across the board, but I think there's more of a willingness. I, I think that, you know, look at when Ken passed, I was in negotiations the day he died. This is going back to what you had asked. I was running the negotiations for our commercials in New York, mm-hmm. and I was asked to step out of the room, and I was told that Ken had passed away. And I was like, uh, you know. Jesus that's pretty intense and I literally my husband was upstairs cuz I was gonna go to dinner with him that night he was in New York for business and I went to the I went into the room of our you know the negotiating team and I said I have to leave I said Ken has just passed and um, I still get like whatever and so I told my husband I have to leave honey I'm not gonna I'm leaving I gotta go back to LA and suddenly it was this explosive thing. I had to call all union leaders. I had to call the industry to say what was going on. I had to be prepared for press releases. And then I was the interim. I was the, sorry. No, it's okay. I, keep going. I was the uh, interim president until the national board, um, where the national board has the ability at that time to uh, elect uh, the standing president if something like this happened. And I was, uh, you know, I was honored. I was. Uh, it was unanimous in the room, and I was elected. And it's been three and a half years now, and i've just was reelected now I have two more years but i um was never in my plan it was never I didn't even know when I when I was a part of my acting I didn't even know that members were a part of the union like I thought the union was a building where they did these negotiations and I just benefited from contracts I didn't know members were a part of the negotiations that we had leadership wow that there was, I didn't know nothing of that oh it's so, not something so, you plan
0: yeah there was no plan this was no. not part of the strategy was it?
1: and I do no it's not there's no stress for me this is my real thing and I again something I talked to you earlier today about I do not believe that people should aspire to leadership. I really, I think it's a mistake. I think that you, you know, for me, it was a matter of being of service. And whatever that means, whatever it comes out to be, that's what it's meant to be. And I think that if you aspire to being the leader, then perhaps you're not doing the service. I think the service is what should define us. And um, so it was nothing I had planned. Anyone
0: who knows you has said that. When I've talked to people who have worked with you who know you, they've all said a version of that, which I find... So remarkable. And it makes, I can't be the first one to ask you this question. Would you consider, uh, you know, up the road a run in in traditional politics? No, absolutely not. Jack Valenti said that. (laughs) No way. Ronald Reagan said that. God bless Um, them all,
1: man. I know, absolutely not. I don't, I have no desire.
0: but, But yeah, well,
1: Sorry, you want to do it? You go. For no, that. no, no. But <laughs> no, I think no. I think
0: the world is in in short supply that people understand that. To your point, it's not about aspiring to leadership; it's about right. service. Um, it's about, uh, you know, fostering and, and forcing change when we need it the most. You're clearly really good at that. You're, mm-hmm. You've been reelected. Your members, your members are very supportive of you, despite a divisive mm-hmm. election campaign, which happens. Mm-hmm. I think you've done a lot in a really short amount of time to, to unite and bring people back to it at a really critical time. Are you um, in two years? That's the term of a president for SAG. Mm-hmm
1: sag after, yeah.
0: Is is that, an, is that enough time for, for a president at sag after? Can two years, can you get all the things you want done then? That feels short.
1: It, it Well, I'll tell you what makes it short is that you have to go through an election cycle. I think that's disruptive. I yeah. actually, you know, I think that that's painful. And it's really, it, it is, you can't do the work of the union when you're doing all that because you come to a point, there's the NLRB and what you're allowed to be doing The work is the most important thing. Serving the members is the most important thing. And so, you know, I think just on that alone, I would like to see an extension of time, even if it was three years. Yeah, sure. But um, I do think, you know, you were talking earlier, say, you know, it should be six years. I don't think anybody would run if they thought they were going to be in service for six years. You're also trying to manage the idea that you want the president in our union. We want our president to be a working actor. So how do you manage the work and really yeah, right. doing true service? How are you
0: doing that, by the way? Are you being, What's the balance like? Because it's balance a big is hard. job.
1: Well, first of all, because it was unexpected for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I had been partially paralyzed, I actually had to stop working. So there's a period of time you'll see that I stopped working because I had lost my ability to really speak. And I had a movement disorder and I was being treated. So that allowed me to learn about the union and what needed to be done and then as i've gotten better and i and i know more about what's going on in the union but i've also gone back to work so i have a very it's not just me right there's so many people around me who i support a vision i'm not the vision maker but i am the one you know i think the president is there to help facilitate and support the vision of the members and we have great leaders around us and you know and a really wonderful staff so um it, it can be complicated it was yeah. complicated when i was doing 90210 I'll and i'm bet. working like you know, morning to night and we're working on the script and we're working on our characters and we're working and doing all that and shooting, and I still have to be cognizant of we did our Netflix deal and we had, you know, we have certain things that we're trying to go, I mean, I'm still doing the work of the work, but then people around me are doing the work and, you know, I tend to, because I travel a lot, I, you know, this has been a conversation, was the fact that I'm not always around for my auditions and so I'm making, you know, my work in our union because we are volunteers the rule is uh, family, uh, family work, and union. So sometimes I get. A little, you know, confused and like fuddled about it. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I come back to it. But I said to people, look, if I'm going to run, I need to be able to work. And it yeah. was really great for me to work. It was good for the members to see me work. It was good for my spirit to work. It allowed me to also be really relevant to what's going on because it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to be in. Well,
0: and it, it feels so common sense, too. I feel like you how could you not identify with your members when you are a member yourself right. and you are embodying those things at SAG-AFTRA as a working contributor right. and I, it's surprising to me that we don't see that more in mainstream politics that you know we'll get the hell out of washington right be go with the people man go that's go sit at. go sit at the at, at the at the coffee shop and talk that's for all listen right? whatever
1: right be a part of it yeah and i think there is something to be said i mean for me one of the things and i'm I am proud of, and I think it's important, I actually have worked almost every contract of our unions before we were merged and then once we were merged. That actually helps me to have an understanding of the work. You know, profound, it's really profoundly different to be able to say, I've been there in the trenches and I know what that's like. And, you know, yes, this has to be worked on. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. I mean, I always say, if you're looking for perfection, you're in the wrong place. We aspire to get better and we work on it. That's our job and our... Our our business is always evolving. The industry is always changing, and yep. so that part of our ability to be successful is to, to to be willing to say yes. We have to be better. We have to change. We have to we have to continue growing. And I think that when people get really absolute, like this is not good, well, you know, that's okay. We can make it better. Yeah, all you have to do is do the work. You know, you can complain. Yeah. Or you can really do the work,
0: and you're doing it at a. That message is so important with the social issues, mm. and we'll get you know tonight. You're going to dive into a bit of that when you do our our storyteller studio AMA live event. But the social issues, the technology, mm-hmm. you know, the streaming, all those things. You're, I think, you're the the, the most important president for SAG after at the most mm. important time, and the way you handle it with your humility and with your uh, commitment is really. We're all really moved, and we're really mm. proud of you. And we think you've so done nice. a—you you, you do a great job. You've done a great job. You're gonna be great. Mm. Uh, tonight, you're receiving an award from Vancouver Film School. Well, First time honored. in 33 years we've ever done this. Um, do you feel like to, you know, someone's gonna hand you a career, legacy, and achievement award? I, I'm sure you'll say, "No, I don't feel it." But do you look back, and are you proud? or Are there still mountains you want to climb? <laughs>
1: There's a lot of questions there. First of all, I am overwhelmed by it. when you were telling me about the award and what it means. I like I was saying to Pam, who's with me, I was like, "Oh my God, I just didn't understand." So that's lovely. It's really an honor, and I it's humbling. Again, that's just, I mean, that's. But I I don't think that uh, I I can't say we ever arrived to where we were supposed to be. I don't know what that right. looks like. But I I it, I have taken pause. It has made me take pause and to look back. And I think I've had a really uh, what an incredible journey. And it's been, uh, you know, i as long as I'm alive, I'm hoping I get to live the rest of my journey. But I, it's been, it's really, it is an honor. And I, I think that, you know, it's a wonderful school. It's prestigious in what you do. You're making a difference, you know, really yeah. creating storytellers. And to be able to be a part of that and to be recognized, and you know, I hope that, um, I, I mean, it's an honor. I think that I'm more excited about meeting the students, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I know they're the ones we are going to be designing what the real world is going to look like for us in the next 10, 20, 30 years. So.
0: Um, talking with Ms. Gabrielle Carteris, uh, the president of SAG-AFTRA, uh, an iconic actor with a <laughs> distinguished IMDb portfolio. Um, will you come on the podcast another time if you're in town sure. shooting something? We would love to have you. Please. I want to get your like pre and post SAG awards and Oscars and Emmy picks. Oh my. Um, I would oh my love God. To- Did you see I'm Jojo giant- Rabbit yet? No, it's on my list. Oh everybody, my God. The have whole crew's been asking me that too. It is yeah, everybody.
1: unbelievable. Buzz. It's getting crazy. There's, all right, there are a lot of great movies out there, so I shouldn't be saying one over the other, but I must say, I, I just saw it the other night, and I think it is perhaps one of the finest. I will always remember this movie.
0: Okay, good. It's top of my list, and we, we've got to cover and a bunch have of those. And your kids. That's the right. Kids should see it. It's, they can it's, do, they can... all,
1: it's generational. Oh, sweet. It's generational. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are amazing. Congratulations on your award from the Vancouver Film School. And I hope we'll see you again sometime soon.
1: Cha-cha. Thank you.